This episode of The Citadel Cafe is brought to you by listeners like you. Visit patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe to find out how you can become a patron and help make this show possible. This is the Citadel Cafe, episode number 448 for Wednesday, August 17th, 2022. My name is Joel Duggan, and the Citadel Cafe is where my friends and I hang out to talk about the geeky stuff that we are into. Joining me this week, Stephen is back again. Stephen ESC, that's Stephen with a PH on Twitter and Twitch. Hello, sir. And hello to you as well. I have been spending a great deal of my time on the Xbox. So I'm going to start there, if that's cool with you. Oh, yeah. Bit of a teaser for next week as well, because uh, I'm not going to do an in-depth chat about Halo Infinite, which is what I've been playing. Uh, I normally am a big Forza guy when I've got five to ten minutes to sit down and play Xbox. But lately I've been saving it all up and kind of like spending like two or three hours, you know, once or twice a week playing Halo Infinite. I'm working my mm-hmm. way through the campaign and I'm a completionist. So it's taking me a while. Uh, the good news is that I'm upgrading all of my gear and, and the game is getting a little bit easier as I go on, but I'm also collecting a bunch of, uh, cosmetic things for Halo multiplayer, which I'm not keen on doing on my own just cause I'm not a big first person shooter multiplayer. I'm not a competitive gamer. And I know that those communities can be either hit or miss depending on how toxic they are. Um, I'd have to do some ranked or unranked matches first. I think you have to do 10 unranked matches before they start throwing you up against people of your own skill level. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, But I bring this all up because uh, Ryan Murphy is going to be on the show next week. And he has uh, played a lot of Halo and uh, is familiar with the franchise and the story. And so he and I will do probably a deeper dive on, on Halo next week. We're trying to hook up this weekend to play some online multiplayer. Uh, I don't know whether that means that he joins my campaign and helps me do missions or whether that means that we can only do like multiplayer arena, like, you know, team fights and stuff. So, well, anyway, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, You'll have more info next week. (laughs) Yeah. Right now, all the cosmetic stuff that I've unlocked is boring. It's like decorations for your gun or like there's no cool armor stuff. And it doesn't really matter. It's only how you appear to other people. You can't see yourself in Halo. It's a first person shooter. You can see your hands and that's about it. Um, But I'm enjoying it so far. Uh, I would say that... They do a really good job of melee attacks in Halo, which is saying something because usually melee in a first person shooter game is tough to kind of gauge the distance between you and the foe. Uh, But ultimately, if they're too close to, you know, they you feel like it's too close to use a gun. If you use your melee attacks, then it it generally does the job. Um, But my favorite is the grapple. And that's something that you can use to traverse the terrain, which I again, I think is probably some of the best terrain traversal that I've been able to do in in first person because there are some jumping, not jumping puzzles, but there's just some jumps that you're like, I don't know, I don't know if I can make that. And mm-hmm. uh, y- you do a really good job of gauging that distance. And the grapple is a nice thing to have because if you miss that jump, you can use the grapple to kind of like pull yourself up on ledges. You can use it to climb up on like sniper towers and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. 
but it doubles as a melee attack. So you can use it to pull yourself towards enemies. And then you can use the butt of your gun to like smack them in the face. Uh, later on, you can upgrade it to get like an electrical charge. You can zap them and uh, disarm them and all kinds of stuff. So that that has mm. been cool. It's a nice aspect of, of Halo. Yeah, I was meaning to ask you about that. I think you and I spoke about that the other day and you were calling it the grappling. And in my mind, I was like, oh yeah, no big deal. But then when I... When I was on my own, I was thinking, oh, does he mean grappling hook? Is it like, does it allow you to climb up stuff? I mean, you answered it in your answer and what you just said, but it's, I, I can visualize better now sort of what it might be because I've never played Halo, but I always thought it might be neat to check it out. They call it a grapple. It's more like a spike. Think about like Batman, you know, when he shoots his little like gas grapple gun. Uh, and sometimes yeah. it's a claw, but sometimes it just, it's a sharp thing that sticks into the side of a building. And that's essentially what this is. It's a retractable spike on a cord. Uh, and huh. so when you hit an enemy, enemy with it, it's kind of fun because like you're sticking it in them and then you're <laughs> zipping in towards them and stuff like that. But I, I, I find melee attacks in first person shooter games really tough because I'm great from a distance, but I'm not so great up close. I think it's because of the whole like spinning around and and with a controller, mm -hmm. it's not as accurate as a mouse with a mouse. I'm much better. But on the controller on the Xbox, I tend to like overshoot or overcompensate or just always find myself backpedaling and you don't feel very heroic when you're running backwards from big <laughs> big things charging you so what i like about the grapple when you finally get it and when you unlock it's like next level it really allows you to deal with those bad guys because they're running at you and they're strong and they're charging you like a rhino and then you shoot them with the grapple and you hit them with your um your melee attack and you stun them and then it gives you a chance to shoot them and and you know delay their main attack and then you feel a lot more capable i guess at that yeah. point um the only complaint that yeah. i have so far uh, in terms of my gameplay is like i'm a sniper when i play first person shooters and they do give you a really cool sniper rifle in halo it takes a while to be able to unlock it regularly but you can pick it up like randomly in missions uh, but it only has 16 rounds and i find i run out of ammo quickly in halo because mm. um you have to like there's different types of ammo and so when you go and pick up the ammo you have to uh, pick up either ballistic ammo for rifles and sniper rifles and machine guns or there's like energy there's hard light there's plasma there's depending on what alien gun you might have you might want to use a different ammo to replenish it and uh, that's all well and good but most of the time you end up wanting like a combination of different weapons like you i tend to want like an assault rifle and then i want like a secondary weapon to be like an energy weapon because that helps deal with like enemies that have shields and stuff like that and plus they're right. fun you know, like I've done enough like running around shooting bullets in my video game, you know, plays over the years that I don't mind it when I've got something cool. Um, I think I did mention this to you the other day. There's one called like an obelisk of light or obelisk oh, yeah. of yeah. something. <laughs> and it's basically like a giant laser beam that vaporizes stuff on contact. It's re it's really quite fun. Um, and uh, so that that's great and uh, having something like that. But in order to carry something like that, you have to sacrifice your secondary weapon, which is like you normally mm -hmm. I would take the sniper rifle. So um, I prefer, I think, the gun mania of something like Borderlands 3. So I think Halo for me has Borderlands on the melee and has Borderlands on the traversal. But Borderlands for the humor and the variety of weapons that you can use and the, the kind of like always looting, always getting a different gun. And I think in Borderlands you can carry either three or four. I think you can carry one of each weapon type like i think you can carry a sidearm a machine mm. gun 
a rifle and then like a big one, like a sniper rifle or something like that. And, or, and so you have to choose between like a sniper rifle and a rocket launcher, but you don't have to choose between a machine gun and a sniper rifle in Borderlands. Um, right. I could be wrong. It's been a while. And Brock, it's the regional expert on, on Borderlands and he's not around. So, um, but so far I really enjoy it. Uh, it's nice to kind of kick back. It's great on the TV. Like it's, it's a, it's a beautiful game cause it's brand new. Like it came out with the right. Xbox series X. So everything is like, I want to say shiny and new, but I don't mean shiny in a bad way. I mean, there are yeah. some times when I'm looking at these models of these buildings that I'm walking inside of and they look real. Like I know it's sci-fi, I know it's not real stuff, but like the way that the light hits it and the and the scale of everything feels really, really good. It's a very, very pretty game, yeah. and uh, yeah, it's it's nice to have that because a lot of the games I find on Game Pass, as much as I enjoy the value of Game Pass, I find that a lot of the games don't have really the best graphics. Like they're not usually taking advantage of the Series X, and so um, it's nice to have a game that. Um, that does that so i'm curious to see how the multiplayer goes i'll have a more in-depth report about the story and the plots because i'm confused because i've not played much halo so ryan is going to hopefully be able to set me straight and i'll get into some of the the nitty-gritty next week but uh, i want to let people know that i'm playing it and if you are playing it or if you have played it and you've got ideas or suggestions or feedback then like write us at the sizzle cafe at gmail.com if you've got questions for me and ryan then we'll talk about it talk about it next week i don't i'm not a big first person shooter player it's just it's never been one of those things I've been drawn to, but I'm just wondering, like with with newer versions of those types of games, I, I remember when we chatted the other day, you mentioned that some of the big guys, it takes like 15 normal shots to kill them or something like that, or just, you know, an excessive amount of regular bullets to kill one of them. But I'm just wondering is like, is the AI in these gut in these games getting smart enough where you can, you know, if, if you pick where you shoot them, does that do more damage? 100%. Yeah. Okay. Because I, I remember games in the past, and again, I didn't play a bunch of them, but you would just, you know, you shoot and then it doesn't matter whether you're shooting in the head or the shoulder, or the leg, it's just like bap, 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 bap. And then after the required amount, they just fall down like, ah, and they're dead. So I'm just wondering, like with these, with these big dudes coming at you, if you shot them in a kneecap or something like that, it sounds really violent when I say it like that, <laughs> <laughs> just, just more like, you know, if you're strategic where you're shooting, can you disable them and something like, well, they're not dead, but they're not really coming at me quickly anymore are there are games smart enough to, to do that these days some are uh halo definitely has headshots so you do a lot more damage mm. if you hit the head but a lot of these bad guys are humanoid so the heads are small targets so right. if you are if you're kind of in a situation where there's a lot of enemies and you don't you don't have time to kind of go for headshots then like just shoot for the middle <laughs> you know like aim for the yeah, biggest yeah. aim for the biggest mass but the strategy comes with does the bad guy have shields which you'll see immediately they're either holding one or they have like an energy shield around them and from what i can tell energy weapons do better at disrupting shields so the idea is usually use your energy weapon to disrupt the shield and then when the shield turns off switch to your ballistic weapon and shoot them as best you can and they'll also have reactions to things like being zapped by the grapple by being hit or stunned by a grenade if it doesn't kill them if it doesn't kill them then they might go down on their knees and take a minute to get back up so there's all these things that you can do to like delay their recuperation and then return to the fight so if you can continue to stun or disable or disarm uh there's some weapons that shoot like electric charges so you can just kind of like zap a guy and have him kind of like stop because if it's a person that has like a really big attack or has a really big gun that you do not want to 
have to deal with right away. Sometimes it's best to stun that guy, shoot a couple of the easy people around, thinning the numbers, and then you could focus just on the big guy. Because very yeah. often what happens is the big guy with the big gun is not going to necessarily kill you all immediately. It's the fact that all these little guys off to the corner will kind of like wheedle your your shields down. But once your shields are down, you can't upgrade your health at all. So like your shields can get stronger, longer, all that kind of stuff. But once they're down, you always have the same amount of base health. And sometimes these mm. big guns, it's like one, maybe two shots and you're done. But you can take three or four shots on the shields and you're fine. But if the shields right. are constantly being noodled down, then it's a bit tricky. Um, I also, you get to watch out for snipers and stuff like that too, because at least they're, they're energy weapon snipers. So it's easy to see them because it leaves like a red trail from where they shot from. But, but yeah, the, I've definitely had moments where I've had good aim and I've shot a guy that normally takes quite a lot of bullets and it's twice. It's like once to remove the helmet and like, and his helmet goes flying. And then the second shot to the head, he ends up going down. Um, and I don't feel bad about this. This is all, you know, they're ugly, yeah. angry aliens that are like wanting to floss with your tendons. Like they're, they're not nice people. Uh, they're not even people. Um, so, so that part is, is, um, I guess in terms of the strategy of it, like you kind of have to adjust. And every time you encounter a new enemy, like I often die when, when encountering someone new, because like you have to figure out what the strategy is. It's like, Oh, this guy is really right. susceptible to this gun or I should focus on using energy weapons first or um, if I have an opportunity and there's a lot of guns around then let's just like stop wasting all this ammo on the big guy and just try to find the heaviest weapon that you can you know like just pick up the rocket launcher even if you don't want it permanently just pick it up for two seconds shoot the guy with it and then put <laughs> it back down again uh, so that kind of right. stuff is is kind of the, the go-to i do find that um there are things that are not always communicated well in the game so you can i didn't realize that i did this by accident i was using the grapple to try and get away from someone that was on like a space motorbike kind of like a small hover bike right and instead of getting away from him i accidentally grappled the bike and this is probably just my my halo inexperience but instead of grappling onto the person i grappled onto the bike master chief jumps on the bike grabs the hood grabs the guy by the scruff of the neck throws him off the bike and then commandeers the bike and now i have a bike <laughs> with weapons on it so then i'm scooting around cool. the battlefield and doing all that i didn't know i could do that but now it's like oh now that i know how to do that these bikes are so hard to deal with because they're so freaking fast it's hard to shoot the guy on the back of it so now i don't bother shooting the bike at all i just run up to it with the grapple thing and just throw the guy off and even if i don't want the bike i'll just throw it aside and blow it up or whatever so that kind of stuff i think is 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 interesting yeah, yeah it, there's some like i said it's it's arcadey like it's not like super realistic it's not like a world war ii shooter or something like that right. but but i do i do enjoy the um the action of most of it uh and it's it's challenging in that it's not like rage quit hard but I'm playing on normal difficulty and <laughs> I'll get like, I'll start to beat my head up against the wall and either it'll be too late. Maybe I should just wait and try tomorrow. Or sometimes it's just a matter of like figuring out the right kind of strategy, you know, focusing on one enemy over the other. The boss fights can be tricky because there's usually some sort of OP weapon that they're shooting at you that you don't have some answer for. So you have to kind of figure out what, what that is. And 
there's there's enough things in the game like telegraphs like if a, if a robot has got four glowy bits shoot the glowy bits that's probably what is going to weaken yeah. it you know <laughs> don't don't start aiming at the center start taking out its arms one at a time because you're like well it's a boss fight there has to be some sort of mechanic so like sometimes you have to kind of put your like i'm playing a video game you know thing head on and just be like right like what would be the mechanic for this particular encounter and other times it's just you know it's fun. I find that they give you squads like you can pick up and save people along the way and then they'll follow you around and give you support. But I find that they're useless. I really don't. I don't find it as cool as it could be. It could be really cool. You could actually have some strategy like you just go, like, oh, I'm going to take you, Mr. Sniper, and I'm going to take you, whatever. You can take their guns, which is funny. So like if you got stuck with like no ammo and you have a crap weapon, you can walk up to the guy with the rocket launcher, hand him the pistol, take the rocket launcher. And then they have a really cool like voice acted response like, oh, uh yeah sure that that's that's fine <laughs> it's just like yeah i want i'm the big yeah. guy i want the big gun you here you get the noisy cricket have have a nice day like you just oh, good man. good luck with that yeah no i've they've had that too oh man like i really like that gun <laughs> and that kind of stuff i find i find funny so they they throw in some humor which is which is good so what's been on your uh little screen lately doing a little bit of playing myself because the uh, mario kart 8 deluxe booster pass uh, came out with the second wave of courses recently. And for those of you who don't know, it's basically Nintendo has decided to release 48 tracks, I think, over the next two years. And so they're coming out in waves of eight tracks, which is pretty cool. And so for 25 or $27, uh, you know what? Don't quote me on that. I'd have to look it up to be sure again. But it was it was in the 20s or it might have maxed out at 30 with tax. Um, yeah, eight new tracks. And by the end of two years for that $25, sorry, the $25, is the full 48 tracks so it's it's basically the same number of tracks the game came with on top of the original game and it's a lot of the games are for a lot of the tracks are from classic operating like not operating systems but systems like the original mario kart on the super nintendo oh cool. there's a track a track from that there's one from the wii that we all used to play together as a family and uh, there's ones that i've seen on different systems that i didn't have like we didn't have um the any ds's in the house in the house or um and then we haven't played the mario kart tour that's like the mobile ios version of the app some of the tracks look cool but i don't i'm just not a fan of the mobile gameplay so it's kind of nice to have those come in to the switch as well so it's um yeah really enjoying that um there's three different courses that i've played before an older older system so it's a it's kind of a nice little treat to have them back and once upon a time i used to have to slow down to let my sons keep up with me and occasionally let them win but now i'm very very rarely ever first or second place it's always my two sons and then uh, myself and my wife have gotten she's gotten a lot better the boys have done a good job of kind of giving her some tips and tricks on how to do the skids and timing of certain things like that and i'm only saying it this way because she just didn't grow up playing video games she didn't really have any interest but she's taken an interest in mario kart so that we all have a family game to play together Mm -hmm. um and she's like she's stepped up her game and so it's like She's either right, right on the, my tail, so I'm past the finish line, and she's right behind me, or she's in front of me. And then she'll like sometimes she's in first place, and she goes, "Oh, I'm in first. And she's like this panic mode where she doesn't know what to do, and then she kind of makes a bad turn, or she, she normally wouldn't make a bad turn, but because she's in first and feels like there's all kinds of pressure suddenly. But no, it's uh, it's it's a really cool family game, like probably only like the far, far spectrum compared to the <laughs> opposite of the first person shooter games, but yeah really enjoying it so um eight new tracks so this we've got 16 total so far and we've got another what is the math 32 on the way i think so 
Wow. That's pretty good awesome. for, you know, under 30 bucks for the DLC over the next two years. And it's something that the entire family is enjoying. Yeah. Like, and I think they're doing it really smartly by having it spread out like this. So yeah. It's not like there's mm-hmm. 48 tracks and then mm-hmm. you just kind of go, cool. Now I'm a bit tired with tired of it. So my, my older son, as soon as he finds out, then he's, he's, he's the king of countdown in the house. So he's, you know, you'll hear him, you might hear him wake up. And then if we're all downstairs, he'll just randomly yell down. 14 days and you know what he's doing he's counting down to the next <laughs> mario kart tracks coming out so it's it's fun it's a really great family game for us any standout tracks um well there's there's the waluigi pinball one which is pretty cool that was um i'd heard that it's a fairly popular one because people like the music in it and the gameplay so you're like on this giant pinball machine um and it's pretty good. It's it's got its challenges to it, but it's it's an easy one to kind of make really great turns in. And I think New York Minute has a great turn as well. Like we're we're huge fans of like if they'll throw in like a two seventy turn or three sixty turn that goes up from one level up to another and things like that because you can just you can do you can hug really really in tight and then just you know you're not even nicking the wall, but it looks like it's taking paint off your car as you're going around the turn. It's just really fun to get those tight turns on a really really long one. Yeah, those are pretty great. There's there's one that's kind of one called Sky High Sunday, which is a brand new track. Everything so far has come from a previous system, but this is a brand a brand new track that is supposed to find its way onto the mobile um, Mario Kart Tour uh, apps later this year, I guess. But I don't know that I I don't really care for that one. It's a lot of segmented pieces. Like you have to drive up one segment, and it's a narrow segment, and then you drop down. And if you're not going off the top one at the right spot, like off the left, then you miss the one below and you get lifted back up. It feels like there's so many opportunities to fall off, even though you feel like you're driving well. It's just like, well, nope, there's nothing beneath you. And then you go over another thing. Nope, there's nothing beneath you again. So I've that'd probably be my most frustrating track of the lot. But but it's still a, it's still a good track, but it just it hasn't won me over yet. There's stuff like that in Forza where they're called hazard tracks and mm. they drop you off a jump or something like that because Forza is very arcadey and it's the hot wheels expansion so it's super arcadey at that point there's right, loops right. and all kinds of stuff right and those some of those are fun uh i don't like it when they don't give you a like a, a cool booster when you go up a really steep track in the forza one because in the hot wheels with the gravity you like you slow right down and i'd rather be going mm. as fast as i can and the drops are really annoying though because they i feel like there's a bug because it it completely removes any forward momentum you have on your car but doesn't seem to affect any of the other cars that you're racing against that's weird it is weird like it does feel like a strange bug and so like you have to go off these jumps fast enough because if you hit them wrong you come to a dead stop because you've landed on a rock or you know or a uh, there's a couple of off-road places along with the the hot wheels track so there's there are obstacles in some points and the other thing that drives me nuts about Forza, and this is true of any race in the game, like you, I like it when they give you corners that you can like accelerate through because it feels mm-hmm. badass, right? Like you just, you slow down a little bit to make sure you're not going to drift off the road. But then as you hit that like halfway point, you can just floor it and you come out of the side of it just ripping, right? But mm-hmm. I feel like in Forza, they do a lot of these like really sharp, like 70 or 90 degree turns where like I'm in the middle of a race and I basically have to come to a four-way stop, turn right, yeah. and then keep going again. And it drives me nuts when they stick them too close to the finish line. 
Because then no matter what, even when you win, you're only doing like 70 kilometers an hour going across the finish line. When the rest of the race, you've been doing 230. So like it doesn't feel awesome. It doesn't feel heroic yeah. you know, when you blast across the finish line. Now, there are other stuff where the finish line is a straightaway and you just like you max out hitting like 300 kilometers and just like whiz through the, the finish line. And that feels mm -hmm. awesome. But sometimes... Nice. And with the Hot Wheels tracks, there's a surprising number of these right-hand turns. And I it just, it takes the wind out of my sails. And I mean, on top of them being hard because there's no, unlike the, the main open world game, if you do have a tight turn like that, unless they've put up a blockade, you can kind of skid off the road and kind of keep going, right? You might hit a, you know, a, a signpost or something like that and slow your speed a little bit, but you're not going to come to a grinding halt. But all the Hot right. Wheels tracks have got walls on them as they were designed as toys, right? So you don't fall off the track because most of the time there is nothing beneath you if you're driving on the Hot Wheels track on the expansion. And that it's frustrating because when you take these 90 degree turns, like there's no leeway. Like you really, you can't hit the wall, but it it feels like you just slow really like right down. And that's odd too for like, just from a Hot Wheels perspective, but the way those tracks are built, though, there's I don't know that I've ever seen a 90 degree. Oh, that's burn yeah, that's not a Hot Wheels, a Hot Wheels track. No, that's that's a Forza thing. That's like a Forza, Forza just does that because they're trying to create. So there's the, all the tracks are made in Forza and then they give you routes and those routes are the races. And so you drive up to where a race starts and you enter the race and then the track changes. Like they kind of cut things off and give you the loop or the sprint or whatever you're going to do. And so they, they artificially put these 90 degree turns in. Um, and they're, they're at places where like there are intersections where like you have to navigate the world and you have to turn left or right or go straight. And what they do is that they put the, the, the track, the loop for the race goes through half of that intersection just because they want to put a 90 degree turn in. And you're right. It right. doesn't feel like Hot Wheels, but it does feel like Forza because that's what they do. Gotcha. And, okay. and I don't know. I don't like it whether they do it in the Hot Wheels expansion or whether they do it on in like in Mexico in, in the open world map that they have. It never feels good. Um, I, I actually gravitated when I first started playing Forza 5. The stuff that I was playing a lot was the off-road because they give you a little Hoonigan, which is a great little off-road rally car. And it does great for just like, not skidding, drifting around corners, right? Mm -hmm. And you're on dirt roads. So like your corners are almost as wide as they are long. So like you can really just, you know, there's not, you're not going to hit anything. <laughs> you, know, you just, you have to make sure you don't spin out, right? And th those were really fun because they're also kind of, they're more forgiving too. And even if you do slow down or if you don't hit it perfect, you still feel like you're having a good time rather than yeah. slamming into the wall, which no matter what, even if other cars slam into the wall, you still feel like a dumbass when you do it. <laughs> it's like, because I've done it's it just with, so yeah, I've done it with all kinds of different cars. And really the only way to, to kind of like get past it is to grab a car that has really fast acceleration so that if you do have to slow down to take the corner, you can get back up to speed super fast. But then when yeah. you do that, every other car you're racing with is of the same type of car, like not the same model, but same, uh, I'm not sure what tier. So like if you're driving a BMW or, or a Porsche or something like that, then everything on, on the roster is going to be BMW, Porsche, or maybe an Austin mini, or like, they're all going to be in that range. Right. Whereas if you right. pick a Lamborghini, you're going to be driving Lamborghini. There's going to be a Ferrari. There's going to be, you know, other sports cars that are all there. Those low rider, like super fast cars. And because that way you're not driving a Lamborghini up against like a Volkswagen bug. Cause like you would just toast everybody. Um, 
but yeah, it's uh, it's frustrating. I, I haven't played a lot of Mario Kart. I did play at Christmas time when my sister and and um, her family got a Wii, and I was playing with my uh, my niece, and it's fun. I, I mean, it's surprisingly similar to the original because I hadn't played anything in between. Uh, yeah. And so like you get the gist uh, and it's tricky and there's all kinds of things that you don't know in terms of like mechanics that are outside like helicopters and gliders and like all this stuff. But the basics of like, you know, drifting around corners and which car has like what wheels and that kind of stuff. I like that aspect of it. It's more accessible than Forza. Forza lets you change your tire angles and all that kind of stuff. But like, I don't know anything about cars. So I'm lost because that kind of stuff in Forza is like simulation garage. Whereas Mario Kart, it's just like, you know, do you want a fast chassis or a slow chassis? Do you want fast wheels or not fast wheels? You know, yeah. it's it's a lot more straightforward. Large player, small player. And, and it's one of the things I do like about it is that you can come into the game. And if you were good at the previous version, you can come in and you go, OK, I'm, I'm going to be able to expect a certain level of sameness, but with new track and some some slightly new mechanics is going to make it a little bit more interesting. So hmm. it's... um. Yeah, it's just it's one that I always look forward to. And any any time a new system has come out, it's been um, the first purchase we've gotten. And even before I had kids, it was pretty much the first purchase that we would make on our systems growing up, like Super Nintendo, then the N64, and things like that. So it was just, yeah, good memories with Mario Kart. So I'm happy it's still around. Yeah, me too. I think Mario Kart is, is the go-to purchase for most people. I think it's probably more than, say, like Super Mario or any kind of like Mario world game, you know, some platformer adventure stuff. I, I feel like people go to mm. Mario Kart first before they go yeah, to the, the Mario game. But moving cool. on to the big screens or bigger screens, I guess. I haven't actually gone <laughs> to the movies in a while, but uh, I have a quick review of Uncharted, which is available on Prime Video. This is the one from 2022. Uh, the film starring uh, Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg. Uh, short oh, view. I did not play the beloved video games. I have friends that have played them. I know that they are a big franchise. I understand that there's a lot of similarities between like Indiana Jones and that kind of stuff. Uh, I can imagine fans are pretty disappointed in this film and or angry uh, with right, like with with good cause. Uh, it sucks. It's It's a terrible <laughs> movie. It's one of those. Tell me how you really feel? Oh my god! No, like honestly, don't watch it. Like don't. Okay. Don't give Prime the time. Like you will be angry because of it. Um, it tries to be all of these things that it isn't. It tries to be Pirates of the Caribbean. It tries to be Indiana Jones. It tries to be uh, not American Treasure. What was the the Nick Cage one? something treasure oh, national treasure national, national treasure, yeah. treasure it tries to be a spy movie it tries to be um i mean it tries to be an action movie too and that it's good at like but because it's really good at that there's really not much for dialogue depth like it's mostly i mean mark mark Wahlberg is a thief and even tom holland's character is a thief uh and uh he plays nathan drake and like Nathan Drake is a good guy, but he kind of like skirts on the gray side of like getting by and he's right. a pickpocket and all this kind of stuff. But Mark Wahlberg's character just doesn't trust anybody. And the only like the entire time he's just trying to pull the wool over your eyes. So like you can never believe anything he says. And because of that, you just don't pay attention to anything he's saying. And he's not a very good actor anyway. So no. like none of it is is really 
uh, is really good. Like, don't waste your time. You'll just, you'll just see the dollar signs in the producer's eyes, right? Like Sony wanted to make an Uncharted movie to rake in the money from the IP in terms of sales and, and butts and chairs. And they, you can tell that they want it to be some sort of franchise, you know, whether that's Fast and the Furious or um, Pirates of the Caribbean or whatever. And it's just ridiculous. And it's, it doesn't give enough explanation as to Nathan Drake's history. Uh, nothing. The silver lining, and there is one, is that Tom Holland is still charming and continues to show his action chops through a terrible plot and script. The lines that mm-hmm. he has to say are awful. And yet you can still, whenever he's on screen, you're just like, well, I'm still watching because it's Tom Holland. So it it makes me feel like, I mean, this is a this is a guy that's going to be a movie star. Like he's going to be able to do whatever he wants. I'm just looking forward to the next good movie that he is part of or good franchise that he's part of that's outside of the Marvel universe. Like when he can shed the Spider-Man success, you know, or mm-hmm. stereotype. Uh, and and get into the the parts where he could maybe be I don't want to compare him to Tom Cruise in terms of like Tom Cruise's movies because Tom Cruise is kind of like the same in all of his films. Whereas yeah. I found that I was not looking at Nathan Drake like it was just Spider Man in a different movie. Like he didn't read it all like Peter Parker, right? That's good. Yeah, and because there hasn't been that much time between filming and tom holland doesn't really change that much in his looks <laughs> you know he's still a pretty young probably can't <laughs> you know, yeah young clean shaven guy so like he doesn't look like he's you know 10 years older because he's not uh and i and i find that um you'd think that you'd be thinking mostly about tom holland when you're watching it but you don't like you you think mostly about this other character that's nathan drake but i think the problem with most people that watch it would be comparing it to the Nathan Drake in the video games, which is, of course, a much older character, more like Indiana Jones kind of l- level um, from what I can remember of hearing about it. And um, I think the voice actor for Nathan Drake in the games had a cameo and it was bad. <laughs> like it was, re- it was no, really forced. Like the whole thing comes to a grinding halt and you're like, oh, that was someone important. And I was like, my guess is because I don't recognize their face, but they have a really good voice. It's probably the voice actor from the video game, right? Looked it up, sure enough. Right. You know, like just that kind of stuff. So anyway, save your time. Don't watch it. Not good. Yeah. Not good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, on the flip side, uh, I watched Prey on on Disney Plus. Yeah, Disney Plus. It's still weird that you've got like these R-rated horror sci-fi films coming in on Disney Plus because yeah. they own Hulu and Stars and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but if you are a fan of the original Predator franchise, as I am, then this is a prequel to the franchise set in the early 1700s in the great northwestern plains of North America. It's hmm. a really good sci-fi horror chase movie, and it's a decent Predator film. They're not all good, but it's certainly one of the best uh, out of the, nice. the stuff that's out there. I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, decent cast. Lots of First Nation actors at the center, as they should be. Uh, Naru is the lead. That's Amber Midthunder. She is a strong female character, and I really enjoyed her presence. And they do a really good job with her, as I'll get to. Uh, Dakota Beavers plays Tabe. I think I'm pronouncing that right. And that's her brother. And he happens to be, I think he's the war chief of the clan. So he's an important figure in the community, uh, in the First Nations community. 
I think they're Cree nation. There's, there's three different nations that they talk about in the film. And I don't uh, remember all of them or where these guys land. Com- Comanche. Comanche. Thank you. They did a really good job of portraying the culture. I feel like they were probably pretty true to it. I'm not, I'm not familiar enough with first nations to know, but basically all the first nations characters speak English and like to you, the viewer. Uh, right. But when it comes to a word that is probably better in their native language, they use that. Like there's a, there's a phrase that they refer to as like a, a hunt, but it's like a coming of age ceremony thing. And they use the, the, the native word for it. Um, cool. But there's other characters in the film in the 1700s, you know, white settlers and, and um, pioneers and they're French. And they speak French. You don't get subtitles. You don't have any idea what they're saying, or I don't. You probably would, uh, which is great yeah. because it kind of it kind of gives you that idea, that identification of like I am part of the the native story in this in this film and not part of everything else. And the Europeans are the foreigners. And the Europeans are the foreigners exactly. Like so, they do a really good job of kind of setting that up. Uh, there's no real star power in the film so you're not dealing with like you know i mean i'm going to use schwarzenegger as an example just because he was in the original not that he would ever be in this but like you don't have anybody like that where you immediately kind of snap your fingers and go oh that guy i know where that guy's from you don't recognize yeah. anybody uh which is yeah. great uh a lot of the actors are young uh, they're all they all do pretty well i mean a lot of the french guys just kind of run around screaming because the predator is attacking so like there's not a lot of dialogue from them not to mention i don't understand any of it anyway so it's not a big deal and then dane deligro is the predator and not obviously not a speaking role but a really interesting physical presence because the only time that there's cg with the predator is when it's doing any kind of like inhuman stuff like swinging from trees or being super invisible with its camo stuff whenever it's in a scene fighting people it's a dude in a suit it's it's dane uh and i think that that they handled that really really well it doesn't at all feel overly cg because you're not dealing with other actors trying to imagine what they're looking at like when they're fighting the predator they're looking at him there's still cg elements like his armor or his weapon or something will be fantastical but you're still dealing with a practical dude in a like a, a prosthetic head and cool mandibles and all like all the kind of predator stuff you're used to yeah, I'm not really familiar with him. Is he like, I was going to ask if he's tall and I just looked at IMDb. Yep, 6'9". So six he would nine. be... And in that yeah, thing, that's... he's probably seven foot plus. Like it's, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a big... It's a big presence. Yeah, it's a, it's a big presence. And um, you feel it when they, they do other stuff with other people and they do like a wide shot and you can see him standing next to people or there's... Um, uh, Naro's a, a hunter and a tracker and she's like, she measures the foot of the predator and it's like from her elbow to her fingertip is like the footprint <laughs> of, the, of the predator i mean she's not a very big woman but like but she she basically puts a stick down and she measures how big the thing is with a stick because she's tracking it like a bear and thinking like how big is this thing and she holds it up to like a bear print and then her own arm and she's like she doesn't really she doesn't show any fear but you can sort of see her computing like oh crap <laughs> like this is, this is not good you know and so they did a lot of really cool stuff like that. And there are a number of standout moments. Uh, again, I'll keep the spoiler free because I really think people should go watch it. Um, there's a wheat field chase sequence where a couple of me, I think it's actually uh, Naru and, and Tabe are running from the predator 
and mm. w they do like a top down view and so you see the the the, tr the two people running away but then behind them you don't see anything you just see the the wheat trampling behind them because the predator is invisible and oh, you can right. just and it's and because of his size you can just see the the wheat kind of parting uh, behind him it's very similar to the raptor scene in jurassic park the first one when they're running through the grass same right. idea but it's it's a top down almost like a helicopter shot and it's really visceral and you really get to see the speed difference between the people running from the predator and how much ground he covers <laughs> mm. and it's it's terrifying and it's and they did a really good job with that um nice. the other thing is like the brutal strength of the predator they dialed everything back so this is in 1700s the original predator was in like 1980 set in like a current timeline so this is like three 300 years give or take uh so they've downgraded a lot of the alien tech it's still well above what people have because people are using tomahawks and bows and arrows and muskets but right. the predator doesn't have like laser guns it's got a laser sight but it's shooting like magnetic arrows and and using a metal shield it's it's not like all super super high tech uh and that combined with the physical presence they do a lot more the predator does a lot more hand-to-hand -hand stuff than it does shooting people from far away yeah and you really get to see the power when it takes on a bear and then it like lifts the bear over its head and like it like one hand grabs a bear you're just like oh my gosh like this thing is super strong and super massive mm -hmm. um the only downside to that scene was like the bear was the one thing in this entire film where you're just like wow that is a very cg looking bear <laughs> like it, did, it, it should have spent a bit more money on that yeah right like it did not it did not look like it was in the scene very much it just it very it looked very animated it, it reminded mm. me of like how bears are animated in like classic disney movies like they're just they're always right. they're angry and chasing you and it's this larger than life monster it is not really a bear and i just i mean i know that they can't use a real bear in the same way that they were using it in this particular scene because it'd be terribly dangerous but but yeah it just it did not really feel quite right uh but the other things that they did very well were the slower paced scenes where the predator is walking through snow or there's a forest fire part where there's a lot of ash in the air and the way that the ash interacts with the camouflage suit or camouflage ability of the predator is that it kind of hits the predator's um camouflage and then dissipates into like a red kind of uh like a spark but when that happens over and over and over again it kind of starts to give you the outline of the predator as it walk as it walks towards you the more times he's hit by these little bits of ash then that you can get to see like the shoulders and the arms and it right. kind of like washes over and gives you a little bit of form and as a result it's it's happening in red because these things are being burnt by its camo and so it looks like a demon like it just looks like a fiery demon walking through the woods right. you know like it's 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 really you've cool sold me. You've sold they me. do a really good job with it like it's a really nice touch and it it does the film justice by slowing the pace but still keeping the menace like the menace is there right. when he's chasing because if he grabs somebody like they're hoisted in the air and like i don't know ripped in two or whatever like it's a violent movie don't get me wrong um but some of the the more calm moments are are just as terrifying especially when people are trying to reload muskets <laughs> oh yeah yeah. <laughs> and he's walking towards them he's like you you guys are dead you guys are just yep. so dead 
Um, that is not a fast process. No. Uh, and the other thing that I think was was really well done, uh, and this kind of is what sells it and makes it a good film, is they do a very good job of communicating that Naru is a cunning, observant hunter, aware of her environment, and that she adapts very quickly to changes in it. And she's got no time for the bullshit of the men in the tribe. Like she just, she's strong-willed, but she's smart. And would... I mean, even if she has like altercations within the tribe, she has to, like she has to outsmart them because they're they're bigger dudes. Like she can't go toe to toe physically. She can try, right. but ultimately they gang up on her and 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 tie her up or whatever. And and I feel like they do a really good job of convincing you, the viewer, that this small, spunky, smart, you know, uh, woman can take on the seven foot predator and 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 like in a success successful film and. I've seen people online like dismiss it and say like, nah, like it would never happen. And the thing is like, you're missing the point. You're like, you're missing the subtle stuff that they do in the early part of act one that really shows you almost via pantomime. There's not a lot of talking, but it shows mm. you kind of like what she's observing, what she's taking in, why she's concerned, why she thinks there's something out there, all that kind of stuff. And I've seen an argument online, you know, comparing her to Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's like, well, Arnold Schwarzenegger didn't overpower the predator either. He got his ass kicked and then he outsmarted yeah. it. And, and, uh, the best retort that I've seen to this online, which was hilarious is someone complain like saying all these people complaining about this are, are silly because in the first predator, in the first, uh, Terminator movie, the Terminator was killed by a waitress. <laughs> like at least Naro's a hunter, right? Like she already yeah. is proficient with uh, tomahawk and bow and arrow and all that kind of stuff, right? And it's I thought it was an excellent point, right? It's just it's it's all about the the cunning and being a better hunter, not being a bigger or more capable physical person. And uh it's strange because it's such a good female role model, but only for people old enough to watch an R-rated movie. <laughs> yeah <laughs> right like i hope amber mid thunder does some pg stuff in the future because i think she'd be fantastic for young women to watch <laughs> but nice. you have to be 18 or at least allow you're allowed to watch this to to see her in it because she's it's a violent movie you know i was gonna be my next question it would be would it be suitable for for the boys but it depends i mean i would say it's not as violent as game of thrones yeah which they have they have not seen they've seen like um the hobbit and Lord of the Rings, where the people have been, oh yeah, creatures have been beheaded and stabbed, and yeah, you know, there's that level of violence. I would say it's on par with Lord of the Rings because most of the time the predator is using his like two prong gauntlet sword thing that he's got, like the right the I don't know what you would call it. I think it's a gauntlet. Um, Shredder from the Ninja Turtles has the same sort of thing on, yeah, except yeah. for the predators are longer, and he uses that a lot. Uh, a lot of it is gadgets that like dismember so like it's he heads chopped off le legs and arms chopped off stuff like that people being stabbed through the middle and then hoisted into the air but like they're not like ripped apart in front of you you might hear a scream but you don't see right uh, see that um he takes on some animals so the pattern that they give with the predator is that the predator is always hunting the hunters so he hunts a bear a wolf uh, a snake that kind of stuff so he's hunting like the animals that are the predators on the planet because he's trying to right. find out what's the mo what's the top predator right and so all of those encounters are cg of course because if the animal dies it's just a it's just a cg animal in, like engaging with a cg predator or something 
Um, but they don't like dwell on it and they don't glorify it. The only time that I say they kind of glorify it is when he fights the French settlers, but the French settlers are assholes. So right. there's no love lost watching these grimy, disgusting, like horrible people uh, that are, you know, destroying the nature and, and everything around them uh, go up against this predator and you know, he fights them and like they don't have a chance. And that those are the people like that lose limbs and like die in horrible ways, mostly because they're cocky and stupid, you know. Um, but uh, but yeah, it is it is violent in that way. Um, and I would say like it's less about gore and more about when the predator hits someone. It's more about the force that you feel behind it. Right. Right. Like it's 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 like the difference between you being shot with an arrow and you being shot with a ballista that ha- that's like a tree trunk, like that's the that's the kind of thing like you go flying like that in this movie when the predator hits you versus when someone gets shot with an arrow they kind of they fall over you know but they don't like go flying and so it's less about like being gory and more about like the the oh god like of the impact of it all you're like oh gee that's that's smarts like that's that sounded like it hurt it's more about the sound i think actually now that i said it out loud mm. it's, it's more about like there's there's the sklitch of the, the thing stabbing you, but there's the thud of his fist hitting you as well because he's gone so deep that it's like he's gone through you and his fist is hitting you in the gut. And when he throws you into the ground, like there's that that chest cavity thump, you know? And you're just kind of like, oh, geez. Like if if you weren't dead from the stab, he just broke your back. Like it's just, it's, yeah, it's, it's heavy in that way. And that's, it's, in that way, it's good because it's, they keep it, to the period but it's a modern film like it's made in 2021 2022 and and so the cinematography and the timing and the sound effects and the uh the cuts are quick enough that it feels solid in that way and and i think helps sell the fact that it's an imaginary alien that you're watching you're like you don't question you know what's going on and think like oh that was a cool effect you just think oh gosh <laughs> that that looked like it hurt you know mm. so that that part was good so I, i'm That's glad it's cool. good i'm glad it didn't suck because um there are some movies in the predator franchise that suck <laughs> yeah well other than the the man whining online i've not heard a bad thing about the movie so it, I'm, I'm happy to hear you say it's good oh, yeah. as well so. they're all wrong been thinking about checking it out but now i definitely feel like i want to if the family has seen lord of the rings and they enjoy the lord of the rings like it's no more violent than an orc having its head chopped off by aragorn right like that's not right like that's gross and it's it's orc blood but the, the only difference here is that it might be like a human and that's you right know. and now i think about it we we did see we did watch the witcher together as well so oh yeah no you're fine <laughs> Okay. <laughs> You're fine. I, just, I, I just remember that when I'm like, all right, a, di- a different frame of reference. Yeah, it's no, it's no more violent than The Witcher. That's for sure. Okay, cool. So that's really it for what I've had a chance to watch. I uh, I lost a lot of time with Uncharted, so I haven't been able to fill that in uh, with that. It actually that took me like three hours to watch because I kept on stopping it and, <laughs> and doing other stuff. So oh, yeah, it it was I could not hold my my attention. Um, is there anything that's been holding your attention? over the last last week or so i guess the two big things would have been i've watched the movie tenant and paper girls and then just tenant quickly i'll, I'll just mention it because it was is one of these movies i thought was going to be super cool from the trailer but i had heard a lot of people saying it wasn't as good as they expected it to be but i was pleasantly surprised by it i went in with lower expectations than i thought just based on what people had told me 
but I actually I enjoyed it. There wasn't a lot of character development and a lot of you know character uh, depth, but in terms like of an action movie that I mean, if you see the trailer, then you know that there's they talk about you know time doesn't always travel in the same direction as you expect it to. So there's some elements that are traveling forwards and backwards in the same world, and I thought they handled it pretty well. Um, I, I mean, I recommend people giving it a go. You, you, but be ready to kind of pause and rewind, pause and rewind just to get the clarification on some things because they always, everybody talks about this whole time inversion thing and they just sort of get it and go along with it where I really wish they had someone in there and go, whoa, 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 whoa. Can somebody, everybody, can everyone slow down for a second and just explain to me what the heck is going on here? Because then it would have been nice to just have it spoken very clearly. But overall, it was an enjoyable movie. I heard it wasn't very successful at communicating the ending. That's my, the criticism that I saw online was that it wants to be a really good film and it does give you most of what you're looking for. But a lot of people leave the theater confused rather than just like confused until the end and going like, Oh, cool. I totally get it now. And if a lot of people just didn't get it and you don't have that pause rewind capability in theaters, of course, yeah, and I think it would have felt just as frustrated in the theater as well. But that, that's why I was saying, like, if you can, if you can be prepared to have your like, your flow of watching it interrupted, so you can go back and say, okay, what was, what was that little nuance that they said there that feels like it's going to be important later on? It's just, so it, it pr- probably took us a half hour longer to watch it than normal, just because we went back and forth on it. But it was, uh, I, I can totally see why people in the theater would have left, not necessarily enjoying it and being a little bit confused. Uh, I like the lead actor. I'm struggling to remember his name right now. Yeah, I don't re I hadn't seen him in anything before, but he was quite good. I actually found I liked all of the actors and I thought Robert Pattinson was quite good as his sort of his partner throughout the entire thing as well. They are who they are and they're good at it, but they don't really kind of grow. John David Washington is the lead. Uh, yeah. And he's just on IMDb. He's just called protagonist. <laughs> Like that's just, yeah, he, he doesn't actually have a name in it. So well, that's infuriating. Um, he, I've seen him a great deal in HBO ballers as a very, very good show. Surprisingly good performances from Dwayne Johnson as well. Um, which kind of reminded me that he's a good actor, but he just does some films that I have no interest in, you know, mm. but ballers is, is a very good, um, very good show. And, uh, he plays, um, John David Washington plays uh, Ricky Jarrett, who is a football player. He's really cocky, but he's also got good intentions combined with like frustrating situations. And so he doesn't make the best decisions, but at the same time, he's not dumb. So like you don't kind of like you don't get frustrated with him because right. like he's making these decisions with the best of intentions, but they're usually not the best decisions which I think is probably true of a lot of people in that kind of situation when you've got like a lot of money thrown at you and you've got fame and you've got ego and there's all these different things. But uh, he was good in that. So is the, I mean, the acting is good in, in Tenet? Oh yeah, it's good. The only thing that I didn't like is like I said, there was no one, there was nobody in the movie that just sort of didn't get it. That would have allowed them to take a little bit of time and explain to you in a bit more detail. You know, sometimes they have to go, okay, I will say this slowly so you all understand. I actually wish this mo- this movie had a, you know, a cliche moment like that because it was, it was so, it was so interesting, but so complicated and confusing in parts that 
if you didn't, like as you said, weren't able to pause it and rewind, it would, you would have been just lost. We would have been lost halfway through it. It's trippy in the, in the same way that Inception is, but I think Inception did a better job of explaining it because they had uh, Elliot Page's character in there and he was he was new to the whole idea of Inception. So they had to explain it to him. Do you know what I mean? So they mm-hmm. had to take the time and explain this part and explain that part. And like, oh, when you go within a dream, within a dream. And there had to be this sort of communication of the idea as a new idea to the new person they just hired on. Where there was, um, the protagonist is a CIA agent, CIA agent or spy of some kind. And because he just has this high level of intelligence, there's an expectation that he's going to get stuff right away and he just gets stuff right away. So you just, they just, they just blitz through a lot of stuff and yeah, they could have slowed it down a bit, but yeah, it was, it was good. Like I said, if you, if you go at it with the understanding that you may not get it in the first try, then I think it'd be good. Man, you're all about the time travel properties lately. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then the next thing I watched is like, as I mentioned, it's paper girls and, I'm I'm a fan of it. I'm I'm in. I'm, <laughs> I'm looking forward to more seasons of that. So I, mean, I know we talked about it last time a little bit, and uh, I'm still going to try to stay a bit spoiler free because I feel like people should go and watch it. It's uh, it's definitely um, it's I guess rated 16 plus. So it's got a lot of cuss words in it and stuff. And I and I know we touched on it a little bit last week, and you know I listened back a little bit, and I just wanted to point out you know what I was saying. You know, <laughs> one of the characters says some racist stuff like lately racist stuff in it and to clarify racism is bad bigotry is bad all of that stuff is it's definitely not good and what i was saying last week is it's this character would have been true to probably how kids would have spoken in like 1988 and then saying things like well my dad says and my dad says and they would have you know they were 12 years old so they would have been regurgitating just what their father said so not good stuff at all but I, I liked how it was true to 1988 era and it allowed her to grow past that through their interaction with the other girls. So, um, and again, just it's based on the paper girls comic book series, which I really enjoyed. It was, it was, it ran in, it was in print from October 15th to 2019. I, I didn't actually realize it was that recent of a thing when I was reading it because, um, either everything was out already or I just happened to, finish all of the books in order so that when the last one came out it was ready to go so it just i didn't there was no pause for me so i didn't realize it was a relatively new thing um it's good i mean the premise of the story a lot of it's shown in the trailer so i'm not really giving away a whole lot but basically it's stupidly early in the morning shortly after halloween night these four girls are are paper girls which is rare in 1988 they're all paper boys and so they, they kind of have this, even though they don't really know each other well, they've all got roots in the same neighborhood that like they've got this street and that street. And so they, they're, they don't know each other, but they kind of have this bond being the, basically the only four paper girls in the area. But then they run into some trouble with some people, like some older teenagers who are still straggling around after the Halloween blitz. And so they just decide to stick together. They, they pair off in a twos and two go to look after half the roots and the other two go off in the other direction. And then that's when things sort of go off the rails where um, two of them get jumped and one of their walkie talkies gets stolen. And then 
then the sky goes pink and everything. <laughs> so just they have bad luck right off the bat, but then the sky goes pink and these uh these this group this a, a group of uh, I guess I guess it'll be a slightly spoiler and it's I don't know if it's in the trailer or not, but they're called the Old Watch. They basically show up and are there to they're sort of like the TVA from Loki, you know, the yeah, okay. the time time variance authority where they're there to kind of make sure the timeline doesn't deviate. But these four, but uh, one of the four girls gets, um, gets injured. And so the, the, the two people that jumped them, um, end up helping them. And then they, then they get pulled into a completely different timeline. And, and so they actually escape the reset of 1988. And, but they didn't like the, the old watch come in didn't realize that they had escaped. So, they they were actually able to skirt through the, that reset, and I, I think it's I think it's fairly well done and all things considered fairly true to the comic books. I think I mentioned last time a little bit they add new stuff in, and I'm pretty sure it's just to prolong the story so they can get like the three to four seasons out of the entire thing. And and for the most part, I don't I don't mind them doing that. It doesn't feel like it takes a ton away from the original story. Um, but at the same time, they made some changes, which I just, I don't understand why they made them. They're just like a small things that don't really influence the entire large story. So it just feels weird. Like, um, like, I guess Aaron Tang is one of the, the main character, one of the four 12 year old girls played by Riley Lay, Lai Nellet or Lay Nellet. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. And, she, and they show it in the trailer as well. And in, in the future, she meets up with her future uh, self and in, in in this comic book her future sister her, her future self and her sister get along just fine and they actually kind of do something cool that helps them out whereas in the tv show they have them not getting along and they're at each other and the sort of the outcome ends up being the same but the entire relationship seems not having them get along seems weird to me since it has no bearing on the outcome, and I felt like the relationship between them and the comic book was cooler. And then, um, on, a, on a on a different note, it's not a huge huge spoiler, but uh, because they're all twelve year old girls, um, and in this case, none of them have had their period before. And and in the show, Aaron gets her period, where in the comic book is KJ, and she pay, she's played by um, Fina Straza, uh, which is which is actually it's a pretty funny and like well done semi-wholesome scene like it's <laughs> they first one of the four of them getting the period and they know nothing about it so it's like they hadn't learned anything about it in school so they're trying to figure this out with stuff they got from the drugstore and it's like it's a funny little like five ten minute scene with them all talking to each other pretty pretty well done but like just little things like that where they they change things in the story that don't feel like they need to be changed but that bothered me a little bit but overall, it's um, quite enjoying it. Uh, again, just what should should also say um, this character named T- Tiffany Quilkin, played by Cameron Jones. She's a super smart uh, kind of nerdy girl. And then there's um, Mac Oil, played by Sophia Rosinski, and she she rounds out the the four paper girls. And uh, she's the one who's had a really rough upbringing, and she's got a, a a bit of a foul mouth on her for the first little bit. And uh, she's just yeah been dealt the dealt the roughest hand. 
um, early on, and like bef- before the story takes place. So she's the one who's the you know twelve year old kid who smokes on a regular basis. We'll just we'll just right. say that, and 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 it's not necessarily frowned upon heavily by her family. So that's that's the that's the life that she comes from. So it's yeah, overall quite good. Um, the CGI is problematic, in, as in it's not really good at all. It's which is which is too bad. I mean, you've got some prime shows, and it feels like the CGI is just bang on. And then I don't know if they just maybe they just weren't able to get much of a budget for this at all. But there's like there's there's pterodactyls in it, and in the comic book there's a bunch of them. So maybe they just weren't able to to do that. And it's just it's you could tell that it's it's not really well done. And there are also some insects at one point that just look like they're supposed to be on somebody's body, but they look like they're just sort of. I'm not sure the right word, but just skimming over it, not really actually touching it. It's 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 bizarre. I, I'm I enjoyed it enough. Um, very much looking forward to the rest of it. It's a shame that there are only eight episodes, but if you're interested, all all eight episodes drop Friday, July 29th, so they're there for you. Check it out. It's funny how our standards have risen for CG with these series yeah. on streaming networks. Like the CG and stuff in Stranger Things is fantastic because everyone holds that to the same level that you hold a film right yeah and and they expect that kind of level and if you ever looked at any of the cg effects from stuff that was on network television like smallville <laughs> like i mean granted that was 20 years ago <laughs> but still like the effects on television shows in general suck you know even modern yeah. tv shows like the flash it's still not very good you know uh, and, yeah. and I feel like, uh, even in films, like there's some, there's some special effects from, uh, the DC films, um, the, the justice league. It's awful. Yeah. And even wonder you, woman was not super. No, the second one was not very good. I think the first one, they managed to do a lot of practical stuff, but the second wonder woman was terrible in some spots. Mm. Like I, yeah, they just, they really, it's one of those situations where you just, you, you think like, you know, I know you're trying to be true to the comic in some places, but like, just I'd be happier with a real person, you know, like a yeah. personification of a, of a larger than life character rather than having some stuff. Cause I mean, sometimes it's done right. I mean, look at Thanos from the Avengers films. Oh yeah. Like you forget that he doesn't exist. Right. Because he's just, it's so well done. Um, but in other, in other times too, like I find that with Hulk when he's banner or Hulk, I'm fine. But when he's banner Hulk, I, I, it doesn't, I just look, I know I'm looking at a CG puppet. You know, yeah. For whatever reason, it's just it's not enough of a departure, I guess. Um, there's um, I'm trying to think of there's some other stuff that I've seen recently. Oh, you know what it was? It was Uncharted. There's a couple of stunts in Uncharted where like, wow, that is a CG puppet. <laughs> you know, like that is oh, yeah. not a real person doing that. Like it's re- it was really bad. Uh, so stuff like that does stand out. I mean, I'm I'm the worst critic because of course having a career in animation early on, like I've got an eye for that kind of stuff. So the moment that something doesn't move naturally, I'm just like, oh, who did that? Yeah. You know, like that yeah. was awful. Um, but yeah, but it sounds like a cool series. It sounds like it's got like that '80s flair, and um, it does. Yeah, a l- little bit of uh, Stranger Things feel to mm-hmm. it, but like definitely on the uh, the edgier side of delivery. I felt like they did spend a little bit too much time with. Um, with their their older versions of themselves that they they sort of happen along, I felt like they could have spent less time on that and more time on the relationship with the four girls. But but overall, I think it's pretty well done. 
Moving on into the Internet Minute, which is, of course, brought to you by you, dear listener. The Citadel Cafe is 100% listener supported. If you're getting value out of the show, please consider putting a little bit of value back in. You can become a member at patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. Joining at any level will get you an invite to the member-only Discord server that's shared with my personal Discord. And you get access to the Barista Cut bonus audio sessions when we put those out you'll be able to listen to them. Special thanks to our Bean Counter patrons, Cosmic and Smurf588. Thanks so much for your support of this episode. Patron count is at 28. Steady on from the last time you recorded. Our goal each week is to have at least one more patron than the week before. If you would like to be patron number 29, visit patreon.com slash the Citadel Cafe. Normally, I have a lot of nice things to say about Lego. <laughs> I'm actually going to go the other direction this week. And while this is a cool build, the Lego Lion's Knight Castle set, 10305, it is 4,500 pieces. It is 22 minifigures, which is a lot. It's 15 Mm. inches high, 18 inches wide, 13 inches deep. It unfolds and does all kinds of really cool stuff. It's a really, really cool looking castle. It's $500 Canadian. For me, it just, it feels like it's prohibitive, right? Like it just, there's a lot of people that will want this that just can't afford it because it's $500 for Lego. It's gross. It feels like a cash grab. And I know that sometimes Lego prices are expensive and there's Lego sets out there that cost $1,000. But those are usually big licensed sets where you're dealing with like Star Wars or Harry Potter or something. And it makes sense that it would cost that much money, you know, um, $300 for the, um, like the Van Gogh set, or, uh, I think last week, the, the, the Atari, uh, 2600 was, was in the two to $300 range, but it wasn't $500 because I think Mm. at that point people would be just like, that's neat, but I'm not buying it, you know? And that's how I feel about this. Like, that's cool. And I don't have castle Lego. Like I, I keep myself mostly to star Wars and, and nerdy stuff. So that I don't buy all the Lego all the time. Um, I have some sort of rule (laughs) set that I have to follow. Uh, but it's, it's like, it just feels to me that this, there's nothing so special about this that warrants the price cost. And Mm. it's unfortunate because it, it looks really cool. And it feels like, on one hand, the Atari 2600 was definitely hitting those nostalgia vibes, right? Like aiming at the 40-year-old, you know, people yeah. that have disposable income uh, and and can go and pick up something like that without too much of a fuss. But this, it's like, you, there's, sure, there were castle sets when we were kids, but they were half the size and a, a quarter of the cost, <laughs> You know, like, I'm sure they were expensive, but they weren't $500. Like I had Lego as a kid. There's no way my mother was going to be spending $500 on Lego, you know? Oh my goodness. No way. At most, I think the pirate ships that I asked for were probably hitting a hundred bucks, maybe, you know? And those were like when I was 10, 12, I wasn't getting a hundred dollar Lego sets when I was five, you know? And I feel like the fact that so much work has gone into this to make it look like a play set, like it's got, it opens up and you've got different levels and there's all the inside decorations and all that kind of detail. That's awesome. But for anybody that actually wants to interact with it, they're going to be young, which means yeah. that mom and dad have to buy it for a kiddo. And I just, you know, I just don't feel like it's the right message or price point. And I normally am a pretty big Lego fan, but this to me just kind of went like, woof, this just, that's expensive and then the more i thought about it the more it sat the wrong way i was just like this just feels 
like I said, prohibitively expensive for, for what it is, you know? Really too bad. I'm looking at this that right now because there's a lot of cool detail in it. But I, I mean, you're right, though. I don't feel like it warrants the, the $500 price point. But I, I do like how they've textured the wall. So in a similar way to how, how you texture your walls in, in Minecraft builds, so it's a combination of different mm -hmm. stones to give it a certain worn feel. They've got a good combination of smooth blocks and these new interesting brick textured blocks which I hadn't actually seen before. So it's it's an it's a Lego brick, but then it has four other bricks sort of textured into it. And so with those sort of smattered about, it gives the the castle a very cool look. And there's some some interesting blocks with rounded tops around the corner or along the top turrets and things like that as well. So it's a uh, definitely cool, but yeah, I can see what you mean. Well, and the fact that it opens up and like, if you're going to just use it as a display model, like you, you have to pick which way you want to have it out, you know? And if it's up against a wall, right. you're constantly going to be turning it around to look on the inside. If, if you want to see the inside, like I just, I feel like it's priced. Like it's supposed to be something an adult would buy to have like either in their collection or in their apartment, but then it's built and presented like a play set for a kid. Right. You know, and again, it, it does both very well, but then it's not priced in between. It's, it's priced at the, you know, adult collector side of things. But, mm. uh, but yeah, I agree with you on the details. Like it's, it's really cool looking, like, don't get me wrong. Uh, like there's a water wheel on the side of it. Yeah. They, there's look like there's special, um, tiles or special pieces on the roof though i really enjoy when they do stuff like this where like they take something like it's a claw from like a ninjaga build or something yeah yeah and then they turn it in they just give it a different color they paint it beige and then like oh it's like a thatched roof <laughs> like it and it works totally fine but if you're familiar at all with the different sets you're like oh okay i've seen that piece before like i've seen them do stuff like that but yeah the bricks make yeah. it look like the paint's been chipped off yeah it's a neat neat touch or the plaster. Yeah. No, it's it's very, very cool. But again, just very, very pricey Lego. Do better. So that's it for me. What's your pick this week? Uh, mine's a pretty simple one. It's a website called runrepeat.com. It's actually uh, one that I've been to a number of times in the past, but then I, <laughs> I'm, I go to it frequently, and then I forget about it, and then I go to it frequently, and it's all based on my running shoe purchase cycle. So once I've bought my shoe, then I sort of forget about the site and then I just enjoy the shoes, and, uh, the shoes until they fall apart. But it's basically a website that has user and expert reviews of running, hiking, training shoes, etc. And it's pretty great because you can sort of you can filter it by, um, you know, you want lightweight. Do you want are you looking for wide? Are you looking for by brand? Do you want low drop? Do you want minimal, minimalist sole, cushion soles? You can basically check like check in uh one of like probably two dozen different boxes on the left hand side just sort of narrow it down to like a handful of shoes that sort of fit all the criteria that you might be looking for and then you've got sort of reviews on based on 100 so um then it'll, it'll show you what the two or three different experts have rated it and then you can go and see what the i guess the the user rating on it is and it's uh it's a great site yeah it's just runrepeat.com and love it Sounds like it'd be really helpful if you wanted to switch brands or you weren't necessarily loyal to the brand. You just happen to be using those because they fit you pretty well. But if you decide that you want a departure, you want to either save some money or you maybe want to see what other brands are offering, but you still want to try to figure out like, well, I'm using a New Balance 914 something, you know, like what what is the equivalent from Nike or from another person that does like a wide show bo uh, toe box shoe? Like, I think that 
it would be yep. a handy tool to kind of weed that down because i i recently picked up some eyeglasses and oh yeah paralyzing choice is the bane of my existence with <laughs> shopping especially with online so shopping like you go into amazon and you want to pick up like i want to pick up a a, a outlet plug for my kitchen that changes like my two prong outlet into like a six prong outlet and has like a usb in there as well for my phone cool there are 176 options that you can choose from from amazon ranging from 12 bucks to a hundred dollars most of them in the 12 to 20 dollar range and you're like i have no idea you know yeah. like you're you're trying to read reviews and reviews are fake and you're like i i don't know ultimately you just kind of have to go with your gut and hope that it doesn't suck right um, yeah. And but when you're using something like sneakers, which you are, you know, using on a regular basis, whether you're walking on them all the time or like you and I, you know, you're using them for working out and you want them to be responsive so that you don't injure yourself, but also so that you can enjoy the activity that you're doing, then having a site like this would be would be good. I like. Yeah. And I like the layout, too. Like, it's fairly simple. Yeah, it's it's clean. I find it easy to use. Mm. The reviews seem really well written, too. So it's it's not like. Great shoe, five stars. It's the people take the time. They they seem to be serious about the site. And actually, in all fairness, I should also say that the the reviews that they have, they're not just on runrepeat.com. They actually pull the reviews from different sites. Okay. Um. So it's basically really well rated shoes from a number of different. It, it well rated in the sense that there it's thoroughly rated from a number of different sources, which is right. pretty cool. Um, yeah, so I recently bought some new, some new shoes. Um, so I, I bought ultras, A-L-T-R-A, and they're supposed to be known for their, their wide box and zero drop shoes and they're lightweight. And they're like a lot of things that I really was looking forward or looking for in a shoe. Um, but they only had a 78% rating, but then the nice thing is you can go to the different sites and find out why people rated them lower. And so I found them comfortable. I like the the weight. I like the look. I like all the things about them. But compared to the previous version of them, they're too cushiony for a lot of people. They're slightly heavier than people want. They did something different with the tongue. So it's like, it, like all of the bad reviews were comparing it to the previous version of the shoe. So it was nice to be able to go through and find that. Right. Um, find, find that information out because for me, I was like, this is my first time ever trying an ultra shoe. And when I put it on, I'm like, this feels... Great. It's a little bit kind of more cushiony than they would expect, but I've been having a knee problem, so I'm I'm okay with having a little bit of extra cushion. And people, the extra cushion was one of the things people complained about, but in comparison to the previous version, so it's um, it, it feels like a really simple website. It just allows you to kind of go through and toggle all of the different things you might be looking for, and then and then I took your your advice. I went to Aerobics first. Oh, nice on Quinpool Quinpool Road in Halifax, and it's uh, yeah, one of the few places that were. They basically allow you to take them, and they said if you if you want to go for a, a light run or two light runs this week, just see how they feel. Just don't get them dirty, and you can bring them back. Most places won't let you go outside, yeah, and bring them back. But they were they they get it. I ended up keeping them and not needing to bring them back, but knowing that I could actually give them a solid go before deciding whether I wanted to keep them or not, that was a a huge stress reliever too. Because it was it took a lot of the. Uh, humming and hawing on whether I should buy them right then and there. 
Well, that wraps up another episode of the Citadel Cafe. You can get more information about the show and links to some of the things that Stephen and I talked about at thecitadelcafe.com. Music for the show was composed by Kevin McLeod. You can email us at thecitadelcafe at gmail.com or find the show by name on Twitter. Subscribe for free on your favorite podcast app or find the show on YouTube. Word of mouth is the easiest way to support the show. Just tell a friend about the Citadel Cafe and where they go to listen to it. My name is Joel Duggan. You can find everything I am doing online, including my illustration and design portfolio at joelduggan.com. You can listen to my other podcast all about Minecraft at thespawnchunks.com and follow me at Joel Duggan on social media and Joel Duggan on Twitch, where I stream Friday, Saturday, and Sunday from the Citadel Minecraft server. Steven, where can people find you online? They can typically find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash stevenesc, but uh, I'm taking a little bit of a mental break over the next month. So I'm taking a breather working a little too hard, working too many hours and feel like I just want a little bit of a break from my computer. So, but mid-September, I'm coming back, looking to do some fun stuff. So. You've been listening to the Citadel Cafe where we are fast, easy and cheap, but you can only pick two.